Welcome back to another episode of Generally Assembled, your favorite Pennsylvania House Republican podcast. Uh, Jason Gottesman, joined by Neil Lesher. Neil? Yeah. How's good it going? to be back. We, we took a, a Is little, it really? Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> um, it's nice and air-conditioned, at least, in it, the studio. It, it is air-conditioned. It's pretty hot outside, so I appreciate the fact that Chuck takes care of us. We are, in fact, in the dog days of summer. Yeah. I don't even know what the what the, the genesis of that phrase, dog days, is. Uh, but, yeah. hey, if anybody out there wants to... Uh, wants to uh, write us with what the genesis of Dog Days of Summer is. You can always reach out to us at generallyassembled at pahousegop.com. Uh, happy to, to, to take answers there uh, if, if folks want to reach out. But uh, we did take a few weeks off, and that was uh, much needed after uh, passing a uh, – and not, I mean, not vacation-wise, from the podcast. I just want to make very clear. Yeah. Uh, it was only for, two weeks. Yeah, of a, uh, of a historic uh, state budget. Yeah. So historic, it got done on June thirty eighth. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, look as as uh, I, I told reporters often, and and uh, even my own family, uh, as I had to miss my family's vacation because of the budget going late. Um, you know, getting a good product for the people of Pennsylvania uh, sometimes takes more time than we anticipated. Uh, but this is a great product uh, that that we put together. Um, so great, in fact, that it sets us up well for uh, a number of future years. Um, while also providing for some of that natural growth uh, and economic investment and community investment that we've long talked about, not only here in this podcast, but throughout the caucus. Yeah. Well, you know, they say that, uh, what's the old saying? It's, it, you don't know a, what you got till it's gone? Well, that, that's a saying, yes. I was going to say <laughs> it's a marathon, not a sprint. Okay. Um, although maybe like this year's budget process was more like a brisk walk with breaks for naps every once in a while and then like a fire alarm. So it's and, a mall walker. Yeah, there was like a fire alarm and then there was like 48 out, 48 hour sprint go. <laughs> Um, it's kind of how this one seemed to go. But, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we've talked about this. It's, it is a very comprehensive, probably the most comprehensive budget package that we've seen uh, in several years. And a lot of that is due to uh, the fiscal responsibility that has been led by our caucus, putting ourselves in this financial state to be able to do the things that we did this year that helped move Pennsylvania forward. Right. And, and we've talked about like kind of the buckets that, you know, we're we're planning responsibly we've got uh still record high inflation um gas prices are coming down a little bit but you know the economy you 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 talk to most experts and and they are i mean a lot of people are projecting that we could be hitting heading into a recession so we put additional money in the rainy day fund we've got five billion dollars that's historic uh in the rainy day fund we've still got a couple billion on the balance sheet even in the general fund to be used uh, in future budgets uh, we've returned money to taxpayers in a number of different ways. Historically, uh, you know, it's the first reduction in the corporate net income tax since 1995. Um, and uh, also returning money to working families. We've created a child care tax credit modeled after the federal tax credit. Uh, that'll be 30, you'll get 30% essentially of what you get in the federal tax credit. And that helps working families with their child care costs. Uh, we're helping low income seniors by doing a 70% supplement to the property tax rent rebate program. Uh, recognizing the inflation, we put additional money aside to help the LIHEAP program, which also helps a lot of like seniors in rural areas, you know. Um, so, you know, it, this really is a budget that moves Pennsylvania forward on almost every front and puts us in a position to be more economically competitive for both small and large job creators. And it takes care of people, people helping people. Yeah, well, folks, uh, this is what you get when you have the uh, Appropriations Committee's Communications Director on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so that was great. But, you know, one of the things I, I think 
of when I look at this budget is that for basically the first seven years of the Wolf administration, Tom Wolf uh, came into office uh, essentially like a, uh, a, a early 20-something uh, young professional with a job. And they had all of this money, finally, that's their own, and uh, they just wanted to go out and spend it all. So not very prudent, right? Right. So, of course, having to work work with us, we held a line on that spending. But in so doing, in order to get a bunch done, um, there were, you know, the credit card was maxed out. Uh, year after year, we were still facing this issue of a structural deficit. Um, and, you know, while we were holding the line on spending, um, you know, there were these, these things that we were racking up that we would eventually need to deal with. And not only does this budget deal with a lot of those intra-budgetary debts that we racked up, uh, some of those wolf-driven gimmicks that were needed to close budgets in the past. Um, but, you know, it, it now we have a little money left over. We have money in the savings account. Our checking account isn't zero, and the credit cards are no longer maxed out. Um, it's almost like this, this budget is the Pennsylvania government finally in their 30s, uh, learning how to f- be fiscally prudent uh, and manage their finances uh, while, you know, saving some for the future because... You know, we want to make sure that we uh, we don't have to go back to taxpayers for more or cut government services for people who rely on them. Yeah. And, you know, we also had the two point one billion remaining in federal uh, relief funds um, that our caucus pushed to use on one time expenditures that help move Pennsylvania forward. You know, a couple examples, um, you know, additional money, uh, one time money to help our, our long term care continuum. Additional money to help with child care. Uh, you know, a lot of people are having a hard time accessing child care right now, uh, whether it just be because of the cost or the availability of child care. Um, but also, uh, and I know my boss talks about this because he's uh, represents a district that's within the Susquehanna River Basin. Um, you know, for a long time, our farmers have been under the pinch to meet the Chesapeake Bay uh, goals. And with this one-time money, we were able to put a significant amount of money into clean water, clean streams, and park and forest restoration programs, uh, you know, kind of infrastructure projects that needed to be done. And instead of using one-time money to backfill into recurring programs and and set ourselves up for trouble, we're actually investing in things that help Pennsylvania. Yeah, and and look, this, you know, there's so many things to talk about in this budget, right? Public safety uh, funding, which is uh, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars into public safety initiatives, mental health initiatives. I know that was just recently talked about uh, again here with the launch of 988, uh, the, the the crisis hotline number. Um, you know, mental health funding, something like uh, 200 million dollars in new funding, uh, one for a school-based mental health initiative and another for uh, a collaborative mental health care initiative. Uh, historic uh, funding for um, you know not only for our public school students but also keeping our commitment and uh, a historic investment in our school choice initiatives here in Pennsylvania. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's so much in here. Again, uh, a, a really big boost to the property tax and rent rebate program, I think, that, that you hit on. Um, helping people, you know, where they're most vulnerable. Providing for in-home care for new mothers and families. Um, providing that support for early childhood education. Um, there is just a lot of stuff going on here in addition to the new child care tax credit helping families, helping needy Pennsylvanians, uh, helping, uh, you know, one of the things I don't think we've talked about yet is the once-in-a-generation tax cut uh, that will finally get Pennsylvania uh, up to speed with where a corporate net income tax should be so that we no longer have that giant uh, stop sign at our borders 
uh, that says don't come and invest here because we want to be punitive to people and job creators who want to come and invest in our communities. We provide tax fairness and simplification for small businesses that will not only help them continue to recover from uh, you know unilateral shutdowns that happen as a result of the pandemic, but, uh, but also help them thrive and grow and also bring parity with other states and the federal government in terms of our tax structure for small businesses. So uh, a ton of stuff going on in this budget. Uh, the, the intellectual disability provision, uh, with uh, getting almost 830 Pennsylvanians off of wait lists, ensuring any savings as a result of the closure of state centers is reinvested in community-based programs so that Pennsylvanians with intellectual disabilities who are uh, looking to live a, a normal life as possible uh, can continue to have those support services in the communities and their families who rely on those services to help take care of their loved ones can have that consistency uh, if the state centers shut down. So, um, you know, there's so much in this budget uh, that we can, can can keep talking about and probably will keep talking about because it's so massive. I've talked to a number of people around the building who have been involved in state government and policymaking for decades, and they have readily admitted that this is the most historic, most comprehensive plan for Pennsylvania that they have ever been a part of and that they've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I think really everybody can find something that they like in here. And, you know, look, everybody can find something they probably don't like, but that's the nature of compromise and building budgets. Um, I want to go back, though. I mean, you hit on historic uh, school choice. I mean, $125 million in the edu- Education Improvement Tax Credit Program is the largest single increase ever, um, even since the creation of the program. And, um, you know, that includes increases uh, in all the different categories, K through 12 uh, scholarships or some pre-K increase in there. And also, this is just a little story from this week or last week, uh, the education improvement organizations. Uh, and uh, A lot of people don't realize that uh, – Education improvement organizations, which got a $7 million increase as part of that $125 million, many of them support the public schools as well. Um, but there's also programming that helps students outside of school. And one of, the, one of the programs which I actually have some experience with, it's called Pennsylvania Free Enterprise Week. Um, and they do four, well, they actually do five weeks because the fourth week they run two camps. Uh, but it's a week-long camp for high school juniors and seniors. Um, and they learn business practices. They get to do a simulation where they they have to essentially make decisions for a company and they get quarterly data and they have to react to that. They also learn marketing. Um, They learn, uh, you know, how to read a balance sheet, how to build a balance sheet. And these are skills that, you know, if these if these young people are going to end up going into business, it's good for them to have an understanding of it. But importantly, too, and and I experienced this because I actually did three years as a uh, a counselor, you know, an advisor for one of the teams um, when I was in a different job and it's amazing to see these kids who come from all over the commonwealth and they're put on a team of 25 kids and they don't know a single person and these are like 16 17 year olds right so like they're in that that time where like you don't want to talk to anybody yeah you don't know and yeah and yeah. by the end of the week they're all best friends and like we should get together in the summer you know and like i mean it's just amazing to see like the growth and you know i think they all they all kind of show up at first too it's like oh business camp this is going to be boring and at the end like they don't they don't want to leave they love it but anyway so long story short um you know that's an organization that actually makes use of the education improvement organization tax credit dollars so i reached out to their ceo karen and i was like hey you know you and i have talked about this in the past about the importance of this program and it hasn't gotten an increase in several years i want to let you know as part of this year's budget there's this you know and she sent back a, a really nice note thanks for keeping this in mind you know and what was telling to me is she said they, they're through two of their weeks. This current week is their off week, and then they have two more weeks. And she said, we can really tell that COVID has had an impact on these kids 
And this program is exactly what they need this summer. So, you know, just a little tidbit. I mean, in the, just there's a lot of numbers on some of these spreadsheets, but there's stories behind all of it. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, as you said, it's people helping people, but this is a budget for Pennsylvanians. Um, you know, we've we've seen years where, um, you know, with limited resources, we've we've level funded a lot of things uh, just to keep uh, just to keep the train on the tracks. Uh, this is not one of those years. We had uh, a lot of resources at our disposal, and we deployed them in a way that is responsible, holds a line on spending, uh, invests in Pennsylvania, uh, returns taxpayer investment, and uh, saves for the future. And I think that's a um, a major portion of what Pennsylvania expect from their state government. Um, you know, finally, Tom Wolf has uh, one of the three prongs that he promised when he came in office. It's a government that works, and it finally did here in the last year of his term. There you go. <laughs> did you see it? So I don't know. I think it, I, I read it in the York Dispatch, uh, mm-hmm. but it said it came from the Inquirer. I'm a YDR man. Well, I, I have to read both because my boss is in York County. But, um, it, but it said it, it, came, it was an opinion piece, but it said it came from the Inquirer, so I assume it was in the Inquirer as well. But it basically was an editorial giving Tom Wolf. It was like Tom Wolf's fiscal comeback. And oh, didn't mention the legislature yeah. don't, at all. Don't, don't get me started on that. I, that was from the Inquirer editorial board. And, um, I, you know, Boy, are I, they a bunch of dummies. I, I had a one heck of a call from an editor uh, with an editor from the Inquirer. Do tell about how just just it was not based in reality, right? It was an editorial that was just completely well. It was, Tom, it was Tom Wolf's reality, and look, I, I have a tweet thread about that at JG Gottesman, and uh, it, it basically like not only was it offensive, and it's just lack of context and understanding of how this building is operated. Great bugs. Frankly, I find the idea of a bug that thinks offensive, but it even goes so far as to repeat a flat-out lie, which was that Tom Corbett cut a billion dollars at education funding. That is, e- even liberal reporters have fact-checked that and said that is absolutely incorrect. And the Inquirer just takes it as uh, the, the editorial board as, um, as fact. And then, then it gets reprinted in other papers. And that is, uh, just because Tom Wolf says it doesn't mean it's true, guys. Um, there's lots of stuff that uh, that that is factually inaccurate and misinformation that come from the Democrats and, and, and the Wolf administration happens all the time, happens all the time. And it's very frustrating um, that that there are news media organizations. And, I, I, you know, look, I saw it yesterday where one of our members was doing an interview with a, a House Democrat. They went first. Our member went first. House Democrat uh, member went second. Two totally different interviews. One was full of pushback and uh, calculated tough questions. The when the House Democrats got on the the radio interview was basically like, "So tell me how this is bad, and why don't you talk about your views on what would make this better?" Like, yeah, uh, no pushback contained tons of lies. Um, anyway, it's a frustrating part I think in our our job of having to deal with. Um, with some of this stuff, because no matter how much you, as you want to tell people the truth, if it doesn't fit their narrative, it's not necessarily going to get printed. Well, how much of your job is is uh, you know taken up by responding to a reporter who wants to know why a response to what the House Democrats say we should be doing, right? Like, since when does the minority party set the tone in the leg- in 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 any legislative body? But like, they just they go out and they have a press conference. They say, "Well, we think that we should have ponies for everybody, right?" And then the news story is like, "Why won't Republicans do ponies for everybody?" Well, and but that's actually something that actually that is in reality right now, which is uh, a newspaper, uh, which is part of a larger news service, uh, not the Associated Press. They didn't do this, so I just want to make sure that's clear. But it was a newspaper uh, wrote a recycled story 
on $2,000 stimulus checks from the governor. Where do they stand? Well, nobody's talked about $2,000 checks in this building with any sense of reality in months. Yeah, even the governor months. himself took it off the table during budget discussions. Right, and, and so they recycled, nobody reached out to me, they recycled an old quote from me, and they wrote this story about how they've stalled, but the governor's office was asked for their position. Well, we still want to try to do it this legislative session. Of course they, they're going to say With what that. money? We spent right. all the federal money. That's exactly that's right. The, that's the but, stuff that drives me nuts. But then I got a question from another reporter. It was like, hey, I saw this news story run in my paper. This isn't actually happening, right? Like, nobody's talking about this. And, like, the reporter themselves was frustrated over the fact that this is what passes for news uh, sometimes because – all it is is meant for, like, these stimulus stories are great for clicks. They're great for reads, which is great for their advertisers, but they're not based in reality. And what they do is they end up giving people a false hope, right. uh, a false impression of what goes on in this building, and a false reality of people's current positions uh, on the issues that are before them. So, um, you know, certainly it's difficult in, in dealing with um, with that aspect of, of communications and uh, media relations and, and communicating in this building because then of course our members read that and they want to know you know then people start um, reaching out to members why aren't you supporting the two thousand dollars not knowing like you said Neil that it was the governor himself who took that off the table as part of the budget um, so you know uh, you know look the best we can do is provide the most accurate information possible uh, advocate uh, you know aggressively but uh, but well, I say assertively for uh, our position and you know hope that the media is is guided by truth and uh, providing accurate information rather than uh, clicks and media and narrative chasing but you know there's a reason why I think Reuters put out a study that shows trust in the media is at an all-time low uh, this last week with I think only 24 percent of people in the United States believing uh, and trusting the media sources to which they go to uh, and most people actually avoiding the media um, and purposefully avoiding the media. So, um, you know, a lot of... Well, our leaders were purposely avoiding the media as they were assembled in the rotunda for, like, several hours on uh, whatever... <laughs> was that Thursday when we were doing the budget? I, I, that kind of amazed me that that became, like, a whole thing. Like, there was, there was like, reporters were waiting, and then lo the lobbyists started coming around, and they were like, what's going on here? Well, we think the House Republican leaders are having a press conference. Well, what's that about? Like, and it's like the intrigue that was building. In well, the yeah, and then, and then people kept on coming into our office knowing that I'm the press secretary for the leader and was like, hey, did that press conference happen yet? Like lobbyists and uh, like, if not, when, when did it happen? What do they say? Yeah. Uh, and I, so this is all started with me going into the newsroom and believe it or not, for about a week here, there was actually reporters in the newsroom, which was refreshing, uh, and saying, hey guys, after caucus, we're going to bring the leaders up. Someone will be up here to give you a warning so that you can be prepared. Well, all the reporters in the newsroom, and God love them, they're, they're, they are a very nice bunch of people, and I'm not saying anything bad about them, decided that they didn't want to miss it. And look, I, I was in the newsroom too for a while. Yeah, I don't blame um, them. And, and, and you, you, you don't want to be the one that misses it. Uh, so you just start gathering, and then everybody's like, Ooh, "What are people gathering for?" Right, um, and then it know. became every lobbyist didn't want to miss it. Yeah, it, it was it, it was it was quite the time, but it was actually a very good press conference. I think we did uh, very well. Yeah, um, well, well, we did a really good job of stringing this out here to a reasonable podcast length. Now, yeah, so very good job. That's what uh, co-hosts are for. Um, all right. Well, uh, again, generally assembled at pahousegop.com is where you can reach us. Uh, shout out for shout outs. Uh, Want to shout out. Um, uh, Scott Eisenhart, who works on the uh, House uh, Education Committee, said the podcast is great. Uh, oh, big great. listener. Um, and uh, 
the uh, the husband of our chief clerk. Yes, uh, is apparently a big listener. Yes, so I uh, heard heard that recently as well. Yeah, so keep listening. Yeah, Brooke told me that herself. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the podcast for the week. Uh, we'll be back next week with a very, very special guest. Highly, highly suggest that if you like this episode uh, and and you're listening uh, in the future and not when it's recorded, to, to immediately listen to the next one. Uh, we're very excited about this guest that we're going to be having uh, in next week uh, for the podcast. So uh, it should be great. Um, it's not Ruth Topper. It's not Ruth Topper. It Tauber. is not Ruth. No. As a matter of fact, Jesse probably won't even be here either. Uh, until then. Uh, I'm Jason, and that's Neil over there. Uh, Producer Chuck's been sitting with us the whole time doing a great job. And uh, this is uh, Generally Assembled for the Week. You can find this podcast where all of your favorite House Republican podcasts are found. Uh, Of course, this is your most favorite one, and we all know that, which is www.pahousegop.com slash mypodcast. Also available on Apple, iTunes, Google, Spotify, but still not Stitcher. That's Generally Assembled for the Week. Thanks, everybody. Beep, boop, beep.